0: welcome to the hey boomer show which is live every monday on facebook linkedin and youtube and then available on all of your favorite podcast apps by the very next day my name is wendy green and i am your host for hey boomer and hey boomer is for those of us who believe that we are never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream i am on a mission to support and inspire older adults who are are sharing their stories with us and who are inspiring us from their stories and what we're learning from them and helping us to realize that we can live our very best lives and we have a lot left to do and a lot left to give, as my guest, Cynthia Covey Haller, will share with us. But before we get to Cynthia, I would like to ask your help. You know, when you recommend Hey Boomer to your friends, you help, you help inspire them and encourage them to continue to live their life in a meaningful way. So share the emails that I send out so that they can subscribe, share the show, share that they can listen on podcasts, and let's help as many people as we can feel inspired about what's coming next. I also want to invite all of you to join me on the Costa Rica trip. This is a Hey Boomer exclusive trip that we are doing June 2nd through the 10th. We will be discovering the Manuel Antonio National Park which is the crown jewel of Costa Rica's renowned environmental protection efforts. And then we'll see a coffee plantation. We'll do some whitewater rafting. We'll go to a forest reserve and we'll stay in a lush rainforest in a safari lodge. So it's going to be really awesome. Um, The, the registration is open now until to Hey Boomer people until October 14th. After that, we're going to have to open it up to a wider audience. There are only 18 slots available. So if you are considering signing up, sign up now. It's a year away almost. So you can always, you know, change your mind, but you also can't get in once the slots are taken. So email me at wendy at heyboomer.biz. And let's all go to Costa Rica together. So before I bring Cynthia on, I wanted to read to you from the back cover of Live Life in Crescendo. This is an amazing book, and I want to tell you what it says. So Stephen Covey spent his career inspiring millions to make their lives more effective, compassionate, and meaningful. Near the end of his life, he felt there was a final component to his work. How to live your best life, no matter your age. How to best respond to life-challenging experiences and setbacks. How do you approach the challenges and opportunities of middle to later life, like staying on top of your career, leading and inspiring others, expanding your role in your community, and what follows next. Live life in Crescendo is Covey's answer to these questions, outlining his vision for every age and stage of life. Taken from his personal mission statement, Covey urges all to live life in Crescendo, continually growing in learning, influence, and contribution. In the same way that music builds on the previous notes, Life, too, builds on the past and unfolds in the future. This crescendo mentality urges you to use whatever you have, your time, your talents, resources, gifts, passion, money, and influence to enrich the lives of people around you, including your family, neighborhood, community, and the world. Co-written with his daughter, Cynthia Covey Haller, and published published posthumously, Live Life in Crescendo, is a life-changing and life-affirming book that befits the generosity and wisdom of the late Stephen Covey. Cynthia, wow. (laughs) That's just a beautiful summation of what the book offers to the readers.
1: Thanks so much, Wendy. I'm thrilled to be on your show. And I feel like this book was made for your show. So I was so happy when you contacted me.
0: I know. I do feel like this book was made for the show. And and your passion and enthusiasm for what you and your dad have put together is going to really help inspire the audience. So I'm excited to get started. Um, Let me do a really brief intro of you and then we'll get going. So Cynthia Covey Haller is an author, teacher, speaker, and an active participant in her community. She has contributed to the writing of several books and articles, notably The Third Alternative by Stephen R. Covey, her dad, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens, and The Six Most Important Decisions You'll Ever Make by her brother, Sean Covey. Cynthia has held multiple leadership positions in women's organizations, served as a PTSA president, an organizer for refugee aid, and a food pantry volunteer. And she is currently working with her husband, Cameron, as a service volunteer helping with employment needs. She graduated from Brigham Young and lives with her family, which is a big family in Salt Lake City, Utah. How many kids and grandkids, Cynthia? I've got six kids and 21 active, wild
1: and crazy grandkids. <laughs> Giving me lots of opportunity to live a crescendo.
0: Oh my gosh, I can't imagine Christmas at your house. <laughs> it's a little crazy, but it's fun. <laughs> I bet it's fun. So Tell us a little bit about your dad and your experience growing up with Stephen R. Covey.
1: Well, thanks so much, Wendy. Um, you know, we—I had a great childhood. I'm, I'm very uh, grateful for uh, my parents, who are both have passed. My mom just passed two years ago before COVID. But um, we—I um, was raised in a home where um, it, it was wild and crazy. I'm the oldest of nine kids. And um, so I'm the mother hen now that they're all gone. But uh, my parents really tried to uh, live what they taught, and uh, when they they weren't perfect, and when they made mistakes, they apologized to us as for you know losing their temper or for overreacting or something. Which now I appreciate with all my kids and grandkids that you're you're not perfect, but you try and you keep coming back to to making it right. And they, they taught me that relationships are more important than anything, in our Yeah.
0: Family. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I think that's such an important lesson to, to know as parents. We are not perfect, but we can apologize with love. Right. So the book, Live Life in Crescendo, and let me um, show it again. Live Life in Crescendo, your most important work is always ahead of you. Tell me about how this came about, Cynthia.
1: Well, it really came about uh, It's perfect for this audience because my father was, um, was in his mid-60s, maybe uh, close to his 70s, and it really bothered him that people started asking him when he was going to retire. <laughs> and in our family, it was like the R word was bad. He didn't say retire. He didn't believe in it uh, because he always felt like you should, if you're not working at a job or career, that you should be making meaningful contributions. And he still had, um, I asked him one time, I made the mistake of saying, hey, dad, are you going to ever write anything as good as the seven habits? (laughs) And and he just kind of looked at me like, you know, am I one and done? Is this is the seven habits that I wrote in 1989? All I've got, you know, I still have lots of ideas and books in my head. And um, my important, my, my best stuff is still to come. And he really meant he really felt that and not to um, puff himself up or overvalue himself. But it, it's a, it was a mentality he had that you get up every day with the purpose to create and to get better and to contribute. And he really believed that. And so he, he asked me, he said, well, in fact, now that you've asked me that, <laughs> i can give you one of these to help me with. And that was his personal mission statement. The last 10 years of his life, live life and crescendo. And he wanted me to uh, interview him, get his ideas and thoughts on it and kind of get a vision for the book. And then my job was to put it together, to basically write it and um, to um, hopefully be a faithful trans- translator of his vision for Living in Crescendo with inspiring stories. And that's what I've, I've um, found all throughout the world, Wendy. I've found inspiring examples of people who live in crescendo um, in all ages of their life, some famous, some non-famous. So hopefully the listener and reader can find themselves in these stories.
0: Yeah, the stories really do, I think, add so much to the book. And and I love the way you described how your dad had this as his final mission statement, because that does fit our audience. You know, we are not done yet. We are, (laughs) we have more to give and more to contribute. And I think that's a great reason to get up every morning, right? To feel like you have a purpose. But I'm curious why it took
1: as long as it
0: did. Yeah, Yeah. it's from, you know, like, what happened? Why why didn't he get to finish it and all of that? Well,
1: he was working on a lot of different projects at the same time. And
0: and I think he he wanted
1: me to to be involved with this, which I I love doing. Um, He passed away unexpectedly. And and um, you mentioned we may talk about our family's personal journey in Crescendo, we could speak about at the end, but he passed away before it was completed. He kept calling me and and bugging me, prodding me, how are you coming on that book? And I was collecting things, I was writing, I was doing what I could, but because I had six kids and a few of them in the house still and grandkids, and I was involved in other projects in the community, it was mostly unfinished when he passed away. But it has been a wonderful experience. And like I said, I I felt really bonded to him as I decided to take up this baton and finish it because he didn't realize it at the time. But our family now recognizes it as his last big idea Mm -hmm. or his last lecture, or maybe even his final habit. Um, Mm -hmm. He had the seven habits. He added the eighth habit. I I don't want to say the ninth habit, but this could be his last habit that that he would offer um, you know, his, his listeners and readers.
0: This could be his last habit. I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So listeners live your life in crescendo. Yeah. So, so Cynthia, you know, and and this came to mind really because um, this question, because, you know, my mother is now in the rehab and, and unable to do the kinds of things she wants to do. And so when the book says your most important work is always ahead of you, How do you address that to people that may not have the energy or the physical ability or, you know, the stamina to continue to do that important work?
1: That's a good question. Um, C.S. Lewis said there are far, far better things ahead than what we leave behind and uh, he, my, my father believed that. But the, the reality is a lot of us, you know, like your mother, have aging issues, health issues. My parents both did um, at toward the end of their life. And so I've taken the approach um, in this that you live in crescendo until you can't do it anymore you do your best and you do it as long as you can. But even, even your mother in the hospital, you were mentioning how, um, how much it means to you when she listens to your podcast and gives you critique, want it or not, <laughs> and tells you what, you know, what you can do to improve or, or gives you suggestions. That's, that's um, being involved. That's contributing. Um, your mother is a mentor and Absolutely. think of people that are, um, aren't able, don't have health issues, they still have families that they can inspire, that uh, they can, maybe they have a daughter or son who's going through a hard divorce or a grandchild that is struggling with an addiction or has, has low self-esteem. What a valuable thing they could do, um, living in crescendo to help that, that struggling person. And it doesn't take special skills or money or talents. It's, it's what they are. That's it, right. Help with. I love the quote by um, Theodore Roosevelt that says, "Do what you can with what you have where you are."
0: And oh, just to good. share a little
1: example, um, there was a woman that was. Um, she was listening, and the fact that she was at something that they promoted service was incredible. But she said, "I'm I'm in my 80s, and you're saying that I can make a difference and help. How how can I do that when I'm I have a fixed income, I don't get out very much, and I'm 83." And uh, the presenter said, can you donate one can of soup every week? Mm -hmm. And she thought about it and said, yeah, I could do that. And he said, you know, one can of soup. Imagine a single mother opening up that can of soup for her children and warming it up so they don't go to bed hungry. That's a contribution. And, And he said this woman decided she was going to do that and lived a few more years and contributed hundreds of meals to um to people that didn't have any food before they went to bed so small little things can make a difference and um they, exactly
0: you know. yeah and i think that's that's a great way to frame this cynthia because it is it doesn't have to be these big grandiose things that some people do it's just those little things but it matters to you know like the starfish story right it matters to that starfish that got thrown back into the water that's
1: true uh, my father's favorite uh, definition of leadership is is around mentoring, and it is leadership is communicating another's worth and potential so clearly that they are inspired to see it in themselves. So, what a great thing a person that doesn't have a lot of isn't able to get out is older and struggles with health issues to communicate worth and potential to someone else mm-hmm. that's been successful, and that's contributing.
0: And it's, and it's helping themselves too, right? So as they contribute worth and potential to someone else, they are starting to recognize their own worth and potential too. It always comes back to you. Yeah. So we talked about all the stories that you've been accumulating over these last 10 years to, to enhance the book. And there was one that I really loved because there was a lot of stories about famous people, you know, and, and those are inspiring, but they're not always the ones that resonate with us, because that's not us. But there was one um, about Pamela Atkinson and her her simple act of gloves that changed a life. Would you talk about that?
1: Yes, uh, Pamela Atkinson is a homeless advocate right in my own area in Salt Lake City. Although she's from England and, is, and has worked all over different states, she settled here. And um, she said one day, she actually began this service in her 70s. And she said, one day um, she was um, saw some homeless people, and uh, gave, and went into the store and bought six pairs of gloves for this group of homeless men that were standing around freezing. She could see, and um, gave it to them. Didn't think anything of it. Um, but years later, she was in an alcohol treatment, or like a rehab center, and a clean cut man came up to her. And said, um, "I, you know, I used to be addicted to alcohol. I've overcome my addictions, and now I'm here volunteering. But you don't know that you changed my life." And she asked how, and he said, "Do you remember years ago when uh, you bought six pairs of gloves for me and my friends who were cold in that that winter night?" And I had very low self esteem right then, and and and, but in the back of my mind, I thought. You know, I must be worth something. A stranger, someone just bought me a new pair of gloves. And that single act of kindness motivated this young man to clean up his life and to change it and to get some help. And he kept those gloves um, since then as a reminder of this one kindness that, uh, that Pamela had shown him. And so she, she said, you know, you never know what single act, what little act, something small you can do, could change a life. Never underestimate the power of even a little bit of caring.
0: Right, so a single pair of gloves, a single can of soup, and what a difference it can make. Yeah, so that's definitely contributing, which I want to ask you about. So when when people transition from their careers, uh, uh, that's really a difficult time for a lot of people. They don't know what to do with themselves. Um, And your dad and you in this book talk about, you know, thinking about service and thinking about contribution. How can you help people think through that transition? That's
1: always a a tricky time as you get a little bit older. My dad felt it was a false dichotomy to decide, okay, there's only two choices, keep working or um, retire. And he said, the third alternative is make a contribution. Uh, you can do both of those. You can do. You can make a contribution, whether you keep working in a job or a career. You can keep contributing, or if you decide to to step away from your career and job, you can decide now. I'm going to be all about contribution. So he he gave the analogy of driving a car and looking in your rearview mirror while you're driving. That you're always looking back or looking over your shoulder at what's behind you, and that maybe behind you your past failures or past successes. But he said, don't look in the rearview mirror at what you've accomplished. Look ahead uh, at what's to come. If you look, keep looking behind you, you'll end up in a ditch. <laughs> but looking ahead at, okay, th- that, that was my past. I might have had some failures, some successes. But what I'm getting up today, what can I accomplish today? What can I contribute to others? And so there are a couple different, you know, you can, like I said, you can either, um, keep working like a lot of people do into their 70s, 80s, and 90s, and still contribute. Um, such as a, a a man that became Arthur Askin uh, got a Nobel Prize at 97 for a contribution he made in physics, and um, yes. it is amazing. And the reporters were interviewing him about it, and said they wanted to speak to him later, and he said, "I may not much have I may not have time for interviews because I'm working on my next project." <laughs> Don't don't bug me, I'm still looking ahead, and he's 96. Yeah. Um, Julie Andrews, um, this is one famous person, but it's a good example of, she she lost her voice. Exactly. After her throat surgery, and uh, lost her voice, it nicked your vocal cords, and she wasn't able to sing anymore. And she said, for a time, I felt like I lost my whole identity. I mean, this is who I was. And a lot of time people identify themselves from, um, by a job or a career. Mm-hmm. My father's, one of my father's great points in the book is that life is a mission, not a career. And so she said that she kind of felt bad for herself. She kind of went into a depression and and didn't know how to respond. And then she decided, uh, she said, I thought about Sound of Music where it says where one door where a door closes, a window opens somewhere. And I began to develop another creative outlook, which was writing books with her daughter and she wrote a series of children's books that became New York Times bestsellers. Yeah,
0: the
1: <laughs> Very Fairy Princess series. She said, "I never would have uh, had this delight and got into this if I hadn't had this this big setback and have something happen to me and wonder what am I going to do? I'm in my you know late sixties, early seventies, and what should I what what's ahead for me?"
0: And well, so- Cynthia, your own mother also overcame quite a setback and and continued making a contribution and went through that same kind of depression period initially, right?
1: She did. Um, she was the Energizer Bunny her whole life and was just always going, going, going. And, and she had back surgery um, that didn't go well and woke up and was confined to a wheelchair. And uh, talk about a big shift. And uh, the crescendo mentality that we talk about in the book, crescendo as you mentioned um is a musical symbol which if you've been to a concert and you hear a crescendo it grows in strength and power and influence and energy crescendo is incredible to listen to when it happens and so this in the same way that we need to keep growing and learning and contributing and doing more and the opposite is diminuendo the sign of a diminuendo slows down and slows in energy and power and strength and eventually stops and comes to an end. So she had an opportunity um, to decide, am I going to live in crescendo or diminuendo? And um, it's easy to feel sorry for yourself and think, well, I had a good life and I'm done. But from a wheelchair, she fought back after four months of being in the hospital and um, decided I'm not going to focus on my health issues the rest of my life. Even though it took, she always had somebody that had to be there with her to help her. She couldn't get out of the wheelchair on her own, but she had a huge posterity. As I said, nine, I'm the oldest of nine kids, 55 grandkids that were looking to her as the matriarch. And she rallied and still remembered our birthdays and organized family parties and came to basketball and football games in her wheelchair and would take people out in the wheelchair because she was in this jazzy and wasn't very good at driving it. And she wanted to get to her game and she'd run over <laughs> someone's foot or something. And anyway, she was she was something, you know, she, she still contributed to her community. She ended up founding the Covey Center for the Arts in her small town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that uh, she could contribute and anyway she lived in crescendo and and it amazed all of us and it helped us deal with her change that had happened in her life as well
0: right and it's such a blessing to have had a role model like your mom and dad and i think like my mom and dad you know to continue to live and contribute for as long as possible i don't think everybody has that which is why a book like this live life in crescendo is so helpful because it gives people a roadmap. There are suggestions. There are stories that help people to see what's really possible. Um, so the book, it it reads as though, like you said, you interviewed your dad. So some of it reads as though he's talking, and some of it reads as though you're talking. How did you? How did that come? How did you do that? <laughs>
1: Well, in the preface, I, I do I do kind of explain it, as you mentioned that, um, I, that this is this is his, his ideas. Live Life with Crescendo is uniquely his. So I decided to speak in his voice. And when I do um, have something that's just entirely from me, I will put my name under it. I, sometimes I tell a story, and I'll say at the end, Cynthia Covey Haller. But I am speaking for him um, as he requested. He was. Very uh, efficient and effective. It's the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he uh, decided that he wanted. I, I now I'm looking at it thinking he had something in mind for my growth by by getting me involved in it that I didn't realize when I started because he saw I had a passion for this idea, and I mean I'm 65 myself, Wendy. I'm live. I had to live in crescendo to finish the book.
0: Yes, you did.
1: <laughs> I had lots of setbacks and stalls and. Sometimes I'm writing till two in the morning and you know, my husband's in bed and I crawl into bed that late. And I think to myself, is this ever going to get published? Is this going to yeah. be finished? And so I had to exercise some faith and works that this is going to happen as well and live a crescendo to keep going. But my motivation was to get this idea out because I knew that so many people are at the crossroads and wondering they're either been successful or have had a lot of failures and wonder, what can I do next? or they're going through um, a setback, a life-changing setback that is totally throwing their life out of kilter, getting cancer or getting divorced or um, losing a job or losing a loved one that, and you wonder, you know, what am I gonna do? And so the choice in the crescendo mentality, which is kind of like a a pair of glasses that you put on, a paradigm that you see a a new perspective of, of everything through this crescendo mentality, that, you know, despite what comes, the ups and downs, I'm going to keep growing and learning and keep fighting and keep contributing because I still have important things to give out there.
0: I'm not yeah. giving up. <laughs> So thank you, dad, for this lesson that you get to learn. And, That's right. <laughs> and I imagine you're learning it every day, Cynthia. You, you really are. Don't, uh, you know, if you haven't had
1: setbacks in life, you haven't lived long enough. All <laughs> of us will have big challenges and uh, a lot of them come as we do get older. And I know that some of my friends who have had jobs and raised kids and then they're out of the house and then they feel like, what's my purpose? Right. And, and um, you know, one of my dad's favorite people to quote was Dr. Selvi, who was an Austrian psychologist that wrote The Stress of Life. And he said that the tendency for most people when they get older is to not be engaged as they were when they were working. And he said it's so serious that he named it retirement disease. Mm-hmm. And he said, that, yeah, and so the antidote to retirement disease is find a purpose. And so just like this podcast is a is a purpose for you and kind of a mission, also, Wendy, um, I think we all need to find our unique purpose and mission um, in life, especially as we age, so that we get up with a lot of passion and desire to to make the world better and to contribute, even if it's to our families. Which is really important. Who are around us?
0: Yeah, and that's perfect lead-in to what I was going to ask you next, and that was about the Pablo Picasso quote, yeah. where he says that the meaning of life is to find your gift, the purpose of life is to give it away. And yet, I hear people say to me, "I have no idea what my gift is. I, you know, how can I give it away if I don't know what it is?" So, how do you help people try to uncover what that would be?
1: Well, we're our, we are—we are all our worst critics. I think we're all very uh, examine ourselves so carefully and are critical to to think that you don't have unique talents or wonder what they are. Maybe you need to ask someone that you that you trust. What am I good at? You know what? What do you see is is in, in, that I I have that I can offer others? Because um, every person really has what it takes to contribute to the life of someone else. And I love that quote by Picasso. The the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. And this book talks about life is about contribution, not accumulation. And as we contribute to other people in small ways, like Pamela did, or like the lady with the soup can, um, I have a friend who had breast cancer and um, she made it her mission that when she finds out someone else has cancer, especially breast cancer, she goes and visits them And sits down with them and shows them, you know, gives them hope by seeing she's alive. She's there. She's she fought through this and tells them about what to um, what could be coming, what to experience and what, you know, how to prepare and really give them hope and inspiration that that they can make it, too. So I think the first thing would be to um, examine yourself. Sometimes you have to just be still within yourself and listen to your conscience asking, what am I good at? And where do I see a need? Where's something that I can uh, respond to? Whether it's the neighbor across the street that's lonely, that has no visitors and their grass is yellowed and their house is run down, and and you could get a team of your family to go and give them a good lift outside uh, their house and and make their yard look better, or you can, uh, like another friend, started a a food drive during uh, COVID Mm -hmm. from her own garage. And yeah. just put out an email saying, you know, I'm, you know, I'm collecting food on Wednesday at ten. I'm going to take it to the food bank, or take it down to a um, the school that has a lot of refugees and they they need a lot of food. And you know, she was flooded with people who who um, came and donated. So I think that you need to to examine yourself and to listen to your conscience. Look around you, see a need, and the last part is um, detect your mission. I say detect because my dad always quoted Fr- Victor Frankel, who was one of his, his heroes, who who lived a life in crescendo, and he taught that we don't invent our missions, but we detect them within ourselves. And so, as you detect what 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 I'm good at and what I see and need around me, and then the last part is just start, start small, and that's act. That's right.
0: Just start. That's that's right. Take a baby step, and I think you're right identify the need and a lot of times Cynthia I think the need is something we feel we need you know like if you're lonely you need a friend so go out and start making friends right if yeah if you're um, feeling like you need to learn more then go out and tutor some children you know so there's a lot of things that you can do that don't require a lot of money or a lot of great skills, just do it. Just do so it. Somebody else
1: uh, who's in need just needs you, just needs a caring, kind person that sees them and sees their worth and potential and can can inspire them to believe it themselves. I'm thinking of a lady named H- Hester Rippey, who at 77 moved to a new area close to her grandkids. And her main goal was just to spoil her grandkids and enjoy them. But then she looked around her small town and saw the lit- illiteracy rate was super high, that a huge amount of kids and even some adults couldn't read. And so here she is at 77. She didn't say, I can't do anything. She went to the mayor and asked for one little small room. It ended up being a closet <laughs> at first, where she set up uh, chairs and books and started tutoring. It her- started tutoring kids one-on-one. Other people heard of it, and she got volunteers. And pretty soon uh, it moved from the the little storage closet into a bigger area of the library. And she um, had lots of volunteers come after school to tutor these um, kids and even adults that couldn't read. Her motto was, um, readers make leaders. Mm -hmm. And she said the payoff was when a child would be reading, and they would comprehend what they're reading. They understand mm. for the first time and a light would go on in their eyes. And they're just like, oh, now I understand. Yeah, and that, that was her payoff. But That's in the funny. long run, before she passed away, she went into her uh, into close to her 90s. Uh, over 300,000 people had been wow. influenced in the Hester Rippey Literacy Center that had, that had gone through that and is still going after her passing. She had
0: influenced that
1: many people through starting wow. small and beginning with one. T- what tutoring one student.
0: Yeah. Seven. That's a fantastic story. And you know what? I think from listening to all these stories and reading all these stories, I think people, you have to get out of your own way, right? So you have this idea. You have this great idea. And then we start to second guess it. Oh, yeah, but I can't do this. I don't know the right people. I don't have the money. Da, da, da. But you can do it. You have to, like, if you were talking to your best friend, what kind of encouragement would you give your friend? You wouldn't tell them, oh, no, that's stupid. You can't do that. No. You know, so I think we have to learn to talk to ourselves in crescendo and say, this is important what you want to do. Go do it. That's a great idea. And, Wendy, your audience, 55
1: and above, see, uh, my, my father felt that of all people and all ages, you, at uh, this age, has the most opportunity and the most adventures ahead of them because of the resources they have many of them have worked their whole lives and they have a lot of experience they have wisdom they have connections with a lot of people they can network they know things they're not you know driven by uh their career or making money now they have true motives they want to help they, they have more time than they've ever had in their life mm-hmm. and they may have more money to, to help with some things. And if they don't, they have, they have the resources and talents that that they have to offer exactly. and it's, it's enough. And, but it actually is, is the best time. Uh, this is the time of life where you do want to look around and contribute to someone else because it's the perfect opportunity for your, for this age group that
0: we're all in. It is. And it keeps us young. You know, it keeps us healthy because the more we feel like we have a meaning and a purpose, the better we feel about ourselves. That's true. So, it, very uh, important. Dr.
1: Walter Borg had a book called Dare to be a hundred. And he <laughs> said, he said, uh, most people tend, a lot of people tend to uh, disengage. And he said, you want to go with your foot on the accelerator. That's you, right. don't want, you don't want to go on idle. And That's the way right. to do that is to find a purpose find a purpose for you to get up in the morning to keep uh, contributing. And like you said, it just comes back to you. It blesses you sometimes even more than the recipient does it's such meaning and purpose in your own life.
0: It's true. So how are you sharing this crescendo mentality with your family, with your six kids and your 21 (laughs) grandkids and all their brothers and sisters? And how are you sharing this with the family?
1: Well, uh, my family's been, my, my, my family with my nine um, kid, siblings um, have been also supportive of me. And they, they're excited about this because this was our dad's last last work and last contribution. Although you can't say last because he's living in crescendo with us talking about it now. These ideas are, are still, even with him passing, These are still expanding and going on and hopefully inspiring and influence other people. But um, as I mentioned before, our family had a a couple hard things um, in our journey ourselves to try to live in crescendo. And the first one we talked about, my mom's um, wheelchair incident and how she responded to that and how we decided to as well. And then the second one is I I share something that hadn't been shared uh, really publicly before. And um, our family decided that we should because Everyone has troubles and and things that happen. And um, our our father, um, way too early, uh, developed front temple dementia in his last uh, couple years of life. And who would have ever thought that would happen to someone who's engaged mentally and physically in good shape? But sometimes, as we discussed, you you can't control your circumstances and what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to what happens to you. And so as a family, we had to rally again. Uh, This happened about the same time with my mom's back surgery. Mm -hmm. So we felt like we didn't have either parent. And um, we noticed our father just becoming more apathetic and not as passionate and caring as he's always been, which was so unlike him. And uh, when he was diagnosed, we realized now we now we need to be there for him. And we also realized he faked it for a while. He, He lived in crescendo until he couldn't do it anymore. And so we rallied as a family with our um, the closeness that we feel and our faith that we relied on, and um, we we you know were there for him and did everything we could to make his life wonderful for, for both of our parents. And then a couple months, and then he, he passed away. Um, he had a bike accident. Um, it's one of the things he could do is is ride. But he uh, even though he had a helmet on, he he hit his head and had um, internal bleeding, and eventually four months later, that took his life. Yeah. But uh, he he inspired us right to the end of of um, how we tried to how we tried to live his life of crescendo, and then two months later um, another hard thing happened to our family. My brother Sean, who I, I wrote a, a, um, some of the stories for a few of his books, his oldest daughter Rachel, um, <coughs> sorry, passed away at 21 from effects of depression in her life. And this was tragic and really hard for all of us, especially Sean and Rebecca and their family. She's the the oldest girl of eight children, and uh, that was pretty devastating. And someone told my brother, "Well, you just have to. You'll always have a heart in your uh, hole in your heart where she where her loss is. There'll always be a hole in your heart," and that really bothered him. And he thought, "No, instead of a hole, I'm going to grow a muscle there." And, and he realized you know i can choose to let it one define me or two destroy me and our family or three strengthen me and strengthen our family and they chose the, the last choice to let it let this hard setback and this hard experience strengthen their family and do some good with it and so they be, they they heard after she passed away that Rachel, well, they knew that she loved horses. She she did endurance r- rides on horses, and she competed in rodeo, and she it just gave her a lot of joy. She felt she found her voice when she was on a horse. And so they took that passion because some girls had come up to him after the funeral and said, Rachel helped me so much going, going through a hard time when she took me horseback riding. It really saved my life. It helped me and encouraged me. And so they started a nonprofit called Bridle Up Hope. Mm. And it's an awesome found, uh, nonprofit foundation that, that, um, that gives writing lessons for girls from 12 to 18, equestrian training um, to uh, a girl on a horse can do a lot and is a lot of good therapy. And then the second part is that they combined it with learning some life skills, which, um, they, which are contained in seven habits of highly effective teens the book my my brother wrote, taking my father's book and and applying it to teenage life. And so that, that teaches life skills that they learn so that they're equipped to handle the ups and downs. And then the third component is what we've been talking about today, service. They give service at the barn, 10 hours of service for the lessons that they receive and they give back. And many times these girls are at the barn years later volunteering and contributing. Over a thousand girls have gone through this program and it has um, inspired girls that have depression and anxiety, those that have suffered trauma, abuse, hard, difficult circumstances, even just teenagers. Life's hard. social media is <laughs> hard because it, it you know you compare yourself to others. And so anyway, this great uh, nonprofit Bridal up hope has has they lived in crescendo, beginning it, and now it is changing lives as well in in tribute to Rachel.
0: Well, Cynthia. Thank you for sharing all of those very personal, hard stories. And I'm sorry for all your loss, but your family, your family is such an inspiration for living in Crescendo, for giving back to being of service. And I mean, I'm so grateful that I got to meet you. I wish I had known your dad. (laughs) Um, Y'all get this book, live life in Crescendo. It's, it's inspiring. It It is truly the most important work, I think, that you and your dad have put out so far. So far, I said. <laughs> We're going to hear from you again, I hope.
1: I've got a lot of pressure on me now to keep living in Crescendo and do some other things.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, you have definitely inspired me, and I'm just so grateful that you gave us this time and that you gave us this book. You finished it. It's uh, I love it. Thank you.
1: A life goal to finish it. And I I would like to challenge uh, readers and listeners to find their own uh, unique mission and to bring it about because you've got what it takes to help other people and
0: you'll find yourself in the process. Let me tell people if they wanted to reach out to you, um, you gave me permission to share your email address. So it's Cynthia Haller, H-A-L-L-E-R and the number one at AOL.com. And she is, like she said, she's, I think the last one on AOL. (laughs) (laughs) America Online, at Cynthia Online.
1: (laughs) I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram, Cynthia Covey Haller and Facebook. And I'd love to hear from you. And and I just hope that you'll be inspired to to choose to live in crescendo rather diminuendo and
0: make contributions.
1: And I really appreciate being on your show,
0: Wendy. Oh, I so appreciate that you joined us. Um, just quick reminder to please share the show. Tell your friends to subscribe to the email list um, and tell them to listen to the show or to the podcast and join us in Costa Rica. Email me at wendy at heyboomer.biz so that I can send you that information. Now, next Monday... A friend of mine will be on the show. Her name is Rhonda Cook. And Rhonda retired as a reporter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And while she was there, she uncovered a story about sexual abuse in a woman's prison. And because of her reporting, changes were made. In fact, the prison was... the inhabitants of the prison were moved to different location. Many people were fired. But during the reporting, she was also subject to a lot of death threats because she was definitely rocking the boat. Um, Since then, she is now active in other social justice projects now that she has retired. So that's going to be a fascinating story next Monday. Um, I just want to leave you with the belief that we can all live with passion. Live with courage and live with relevance. And remember that you are never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. My name is Wendy Green, and thank you, Cynthia Haller, for being my guest. And this has been Hey Boomer.